Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Oh, hello, hello. Didn't see you there. Welcome. Come in. Welcome to Radio Rental the world's finest video store, the Alcazar of VHS transactions. <laughs> I'm Terry Carnation. I am the shopkeeper of Radio Rental. I guess I should explain our name a little bit more. Radio Rental is a British Cockney slang for going mad. If you'd lost your mind, they'd say, you've gone Radio Rental with your craziness. Oh, look at him down the street. They're getting in that lorry. He's gone radio rental. Positively loco in la cabeza. This is your first time here, isn't it? I know it may not look like much, but we're widely acclaimed for our eclectic array of underground films. We have an amazing selection of horror, classics, sci-fi, B-movies, C-level slashers, etc., etc. But... I see in your eyes that you're after what we're truly known for. My special collection of videotapes. I've got a whole box of stories right here. Extraordinary stories. And fasten your seatbelts. They're all true. This, my friend, is Radio Rental. Now, let's see here. Tape number one. Ooh, 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 this one's good. It makes me particularly anxious. There's a reason I prefer to travel by train. Or horse and buggy. Or electric scooter. Rewind it a little bit. <clears throat> there we go. Play and action. Fight or flight, the physiological reaction to a perceived threat. Your heart's pumping, you're breathing rapidly, adrenaline's flowing. This instinctual response is ingrained in us. If you're in danger and you're pushed into the corner, in an instant you have to choose from these two options, fight or flee. That is, unless you're 10,000 feet in the sky on an airplane. I moved a lot growing up. My family's from Central America, from Nicaragua. And we would go back at least once or twice a year. So I had quite a bit of experience flying. And we were flying back home to Nicaragua, flying through Paris. I was traveling with my brother, who's a year older than me, and with my dad. 
my brother and I were pretty comfortable flying. We had actually flown alone a lot. Eventually we start boarding. My dad was in business class. So he got off at the front of the plane. My brother and I went to the back and we were in the middle two rows of the middle aisle. Pretty much the worst possible place to be for a nine hour flight. My brother and I just kind of sat there and settled in. We had two French people, I think they were members of the same family on either side of us. I spoke a little bit of French, but I didn't understand like everything that they were saying. And they kept talking like over us towards each other and it was just a little bit uncomfortable. Kind of a standard uncomfortable, typical flight. I was just like half dozing off, looking down, reading my book. And then I remember the smell of matches in the air. For me, the sonic memories are the most vivid. I remember somebody saying the word no, no. over and over. No. It started really quietly. No. And then gradually it got like a little bit louder. No. Until a point where it becomes really pressing. No. A screaming no. no. Immediately I panic, I tensed up. I essentially crushed the book. It was a paperback and I remember grabbing onto it like really tight. I look up to my right, and there's a flight attendant just sort of hunched over a row of seats, probably five rows ahead of us. When I heard the urgency in the flight attendant's voice, I remember having this moment of extreme panic, and then I just felt a surge of adrenaline. Everything actually seemed to occur in slow motion. I think young teenage boys think of themselves as rather brave. But at that moment, my first instinct was to try to run away. Maybe if I run to the lavatories in the back of the plane, I can get away from whatever this is. But then you have this realization that you're on a plane and there's actually nowhere, nowhere to go. My brother who was sitting to my left, he leaped over me and he jumped into the aisle, ran up to see what was going on. And this whole time I was frozen. I didn't react at all. All I could see from that middle row were just like the backs of people's heads and shoulders and scuffling and struggling, like a bar fight or something. It just felt like chaos. I heard the no. That crescendo just got louder and louder. And I remember seeing just a really tall person sitting on the window seat about six rows in front of me. I could almost see his shoulders sticking up above the back of the seat on the plane. He was very tall. All I saw was the back of his head. Long hair, long curly black hair. And he's struggling with this flight attendant who's kind of hunched over the seat. They were struggling, there was some kind of struggle. What struck me as really unusual was that he wasn't, it almost seemed like he wasn't reacting to what the flight attendant was doing. In any normal circumstance, if somebody yells at you on a flight, you would obviously react and you would respond. There seemed to be a strange passiveness. He was way too calm. Way too calm for comfort, really. The flight attendant's screams got more, more urgent. People started screaming along with her. People were speaking very urgently in multiple different languages, and it just became absolute chaos in the tiny claustrophobic cabin on, a, on an airplane. It's not the kind of place that you want to hear that kind of screaming. 
Many things passed through my head. I thought it could be like a cardiac arrest, someone having a, a health issue. And then eventually we began to realize that this was more likely than not some kind of violent situation or a security breach of some sort. And I remember somebody grabbing like a handful of his hair and just jerked his head back. His neck just snapped backward. And then he let out this really powerful scream. One of the passengers began to ask around for things that they could use to tie him up. They wrapped headphones around him. And my brother took off his belt and he gave it to one of the passengers and they used it to help restrain this person. Nobody was really listening to any of the flight attendants. The aisles were completely overcrowded. One of the male flight attendants is standing next to him. He's still struggling. And then I see from behind the back of the plane, they start to pass a fire extinguisher up, hand by hand. At that point, I didn't know if there was a fire. I didn't know what was going on. They pass this up, they pass it forward to the flight attendant, and then he just takes a fire extinguisher and hits the person basically on the nose. The visual of seeing somebody swing a butt of a fire extinguisher onto someone's face was just shocking. At one point, I, I remember seeing uh, a pair of shoes, big tennis shoes. The flight attendant was holding them and he was running to the back of the plane with this pair of shoes. The pilot announced that there had been a security breach on the flight and that the flight was being diverted from Miami to Boston. The pilot also said that they don't know if the person was working alone, so he suggested that everyone get to know their neighbors, which was really chilling, really terrifying. We were right in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. Hard to believe this is a real story, isn't it? Ah, but it is. They are all true. These are true horror stories told by the individuals who lived them. Over the years, I've built up this collection of videotapes. I've had to go to the four corners of the world to assemble this collection. Oh yes, I've cheated death. I have braved the most treacherous areas imaginable, including Philadelphia. Oh, no, 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 oh, no, 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 no. You can't leave with these. Put the box back. This is my personal collection. These are extremely rare. You can't find these anywhere else. All original copies. You can only watch them in the store. These tapes are a living, breathing case study on the dark side of humanity. The unexplained. The stuff we're too afraid to talk about. At any rate... Let's take a quick break. Do you ever wish you could become a detective and help find the clues to the case? How about all of that in a mobile game that you can take anywhere? In June's Journey, each scene leads to a new thrilling storyline. Uncover the mystery of June's sister's murder and find out about scandalous family secrets. The gameplay lets you find hidden clues as you investigate a murder mystery. Escape to a bygone age of mystery, danger, and romance. Let your imagination run wild when decorating your island estate and collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. Whether you're craving a good mystery or looking for an escape, you can immerse yourself in the world of June Parker. June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story taking you back to the glamour of the 1920s with a diverse cast of characters. 
Each new scene takes you further through a thrilling murder mystery story that sets the main protagonist, June Parker, on a quest to solve the murder of her sister and uncover her family's many secrets. I travel so much while working that I personally love to play it while sitting around airports with all that free time I have. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Do you ever wish you could become a detective and help find the clues to the case? How about all of that in a mobile game that you can take anywhere? In June's Journey, each scene leads to a new thrilling storyline. Uncover the mystery of June's sister's murder and find out about scandalous family secrets. The gameplay lets you find hidden clues as you investigate a murder mystery. Escape to a bygone age of mystery, danger, and romance. Let your imagination run wild when decorating your island estate and collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. Whether you're craving a good mystery or looking for an escape, you can immerse yourself in the world of June Parker. June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story taking you back to the glamour of the 1920s with a diverse cast of characters. Each new scene takes you further through a thrilling murder mystery story that sets the main protagonist, June Parker, on a quest to solve the murder of her sister and uncover her family's many secrets. I travel so much while working that I personally love to play it while sitting around airports with all that free time I have. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. There, now that wasn't so bad, was it? Make sure to buy all of those things. After he was restrained, they asked for a doctor, if there was a doctor on board, so that they could sedate him. A doctor came forward and they did inject him with something. The flight attendants had this system where people would... Oh, damn it. MVCR always jamming. Ugh, get, get this out of here. Ugh. There we go. The flight attendants had this system where people would like rotate, keeping an eye on him. There was always somebody sitting behind him. The people that sat behind him actually held his his hair. Eventually, actually, the flight attendants put the movie Legally Blonde on. I think they thought it would help calm people down a little bit. But there was this really, really nervous energy. People didn't really know how seriously to take this. The pilot at one point asked if there was a U.S. Marshal on board. The pilot asked a couple times and nobody ever came forward. If they're asking for the marshal, it must be something really serious. As we're approaching the U.S., the pilot announced that we would be escorted by fighter jets. All the little kids on the plane got really excited. They all like ran to the windows to look at the jets. Those fighter jets are there essentially to shoot down your plane if it's hijacked. It was amazing to watch them. You just see this flutter jet that's going the same speed as the plane. You know, you kind of knew there was a more sinister reason that they were there. Eventually we do land and it's a pretty normal standard landing. We're parked way out in the middle of nowhere on the tarmac, really far from, from the airport. 
then a SWAT team. Heavily armored. Storms on board. Massive guns. It looked like a Hollywood movie. They knew exactly what they were doing. They cut the passenger loose. He was really groggy still from the drugs that they had given him earlier. And essentially they just dragged him off the plane. They also took the shoes that they had taken to the back of the plane earlier. They took those off the plane, took them off the plane as quickly as they could. We waited around for a little while longer and then we basically disembarked just like normal. And I remember walking past the seat where this guy had been sitting. It's just like a mess of plastic and headphones and like the belt that my brother had given to tie him up was cut into a couple little pieces. We were in the middle of the tarmac, so we got off through like steps. We didn't get off at a gate. They shuttled us to, I believe it was a baggage claim terminal in Boston Airport. They had these metal fences lined up to separate us from the rest of the baggage claim area. We waited there for what seemed like hours. Families were getting really uncomfortable. People were getting hungry, little kids were crying. Some of the passengers began like shaking the metal grates. I remember an FBI agent interviewing my brother, myself, and my dad. What had happened on the flight? Where were we going? Where were we coming from? It felt like an interrogation. It actually made me really angry. It pissed me off a lot. We had been treated like cattle, sitting in the baggage claim. And now the FBI agent was talking to me and my brother as if we were somehow in on this. They moved us from the baggage claim area to just a normal terminal. And we finally got a chance to, to make a phone call and talk to my mom. We went to a payphone and made the phone call. Hearing my mom over the phone line just hysterical. Then she told us that it was all over the news. On December 22, 2001, American Airlines Flight 63, en route from Paris to Miami, made an emergency landing in Boston. A tall man aboard the plane had caused a scene. The man, six foot four, long black hair, appeared to have posed a threat. Most of the passengers had no idea what was going on. After being escorted to the ground by fighter jets, a SWAT team burst onto the plane to apprehend the man in question. But by the time the plane had landed, it was already a national news story. Flight 63 from Paris de Gaulle Airport to Miami was diverted to Boston and safely escorted by two F-15 fighter jets. One person pulled his hair from behind, the stewardess jumped on top of him. The people just around him had just swarmed around the seat and jumped on top of him. His name was Richard Reed, and hidden in the hollowed soles of his black shoes was 280 grams of explosives. Once passengers were safely at the terminal, the bomb squad boarded the American Airlines plane to retrieve the shoe. In Boston, heightened security now includes asking about matches and inspecting shoes. The person who they took off the plane had tried to smuggle a bomb on the plane. And we had been completely oblivious. He had been attempting to light a bomb that he had smuggled in his shoe with a book of matches that he... That was the smell of matches that my brother and I had smelled. He had been repeatedly trying to light this wick in his shoe. The flight attendant actually passed by once, noticed that he was trying to light a match, and told him to stop. She assumed he was trying to light a cigarette or something. And then when she came back and saw he was trying to light the match again, she tried to stop him. 
When she realized that he was trying to light this match and he actually had his shoe on his lap, she tried to reach out to grab the shoe and then he actually bit her on the hand. That's when she started screaming and struggling with him. I remember seeing his shoes being passed to the back of the plane and not really thinking much of it. I didn't realize that there was essentially C4 in those shoes. He had actually tried to get on the same flight the day before, but he was stopped by security because he raised a lot of red flags. He had a one-way ticket. He had no luggage. He had paid for the ticket in cash. So they actually stopped and interrogated him. Because of that, he had missed his flight. All the hotels around the airport were all booked. He had to take a hotel room kind of far from the airport. The following day, it rained. His shoes got wet. It turned out that the wick he was trying to light had gotten too moist, and he was unable to light it. If it hadn't rained that day or if he had been a little more relaxed, he may have been successful. We actually didn't realize how close we were until afterwards. It was shocking. We had spent the rest of that flight, I don't know how long, four or five hours with a bomb, essentially. But instead, we were just kind of bored and annoyed watching Legally Blonde. I haven't seen it since, actually. <laughs> that was the last time. Poor kid. What a horrifying experience for someone so very young. That is not an easy recovery, to be sure. Such an impressionable age. I don't know why the flight attendants thought Legally Blonde would be relaxing. Such a grating movie. So insufferably pink, also Luke Wilson. Ugh. Don't ask me if we carry that one because the answer is no. No legally blonde. <laughs> legally dead, legally bloated, maybe. Anyway, you've got to trust your paranoia. It's so important. I've always thought about it like a sixth sense. Dread is a powerful, intuitive tool. I remember as a child, I didn't trust my babysitter, Marjorie. I didn't trust her one bit. And as it turned out, she was a serial killer. And now this was never proven, but I am certain of it. I'm certain Marjorie is in jail right now. I really should Google her. Now, not many people renting VHS tapes these days We've got to keep the bills paid. We've got to keep the lights on. We've got to keep enough electricity to be able to rewind the VHS tapes in the VHS rewinder. Please be kind. Rewind. And please be kind. Listen to this word from our sponsors. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. 
Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash rs10 today. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search based on the qualities that are most important to you. Then you can book a free 15-minute consultation call with any therapist you're interested in seeing. So you can get a feel for whether they're the right fit before you commit to a full-length session. Alma also makes it easy for mental health care providers to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of therapists in their directory accept insurance for sessions. So you can find care that's affordable without stressing about the paperwork. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com therapy60 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com therapy60. All right, here we go. Um... Are you in need of emotional reinforcement? Are you desperate for loving support? Well, I can't provide those, but Foot Maestro insoles are your one-stop shop for relief for your tootsies. Oh my God, who wrote this? They offer firm yet pliable support for your arches. I, for one, love my Foot Maestro insoles. Uh, They fit in all my shoes and create instant relief of course, my job keeps me on my feet, so Foot Maestro is a must for my everyday wardrobe. Actually, my job keeps me seated. This doesn't make any sense at all. Shop with Foot Maestro insoles today. You can find a kiosk. You can find a kiosk at your local mall. That's Foot Maestro insoles handcrafted buttresses for your feet. Okay, can we continue? Now, back to our stories. Okay, this next one. Ooh, this is creepy to say the least. Have you ever felt an unexplained camaraderie with a stranger? It can be a beautiful thing. Sometimes. Don't talk to strangers. As a kid, that's certainly sound advice. But as an adult and a normal member of society, we inevitably come in contact with strangers all the time. At the grocery store. At the gas station. These are all just normal interactions. And in this day and age, there are more ways than ever to come in contact with a stranger. There's Facebook, Instagram, Reddit, Twitter. You hear people say this all the time, and it's true, that now with cell phones, we are more connected than we've ever been before. And sometimes we're connected to people we'll never really know or meet in person. Most of the time, it's harmless, as long as people are who they say they are. But with a stranger, where exactly do you draw the line? In this next story, a man decides to engage with a stranger, but things don't exactly go as planned. I lived out in Goodyear, still live out in Goodyear, but I traveled a lot through the Phoenix area. Goodyear is on the west side of Phoenix. Uh, There's a small airport out there and a number of businesses. In fact, it's grown up a lot in the last few years. Um, I'll be honest and say that that I'm not 
a great fan of living in Arizona. It's, it's uh, sometimes blistering, but uh, it's home. I was at the time an itinerant IT guy, so I was servicing a lot of small businesses and municipalities. They uh, like to have me go all over the place. So it was, it was kind of a fun job. I get to know a lot about Phoenix that way. It was a strange situation. I was actually between jobs, between, uh, I should say, between clients, and I'd parked myself at the Phoenix Public Library. While I was there, I had this odd thing happen, which I got a text randomly. It was from the 404 area code. I happen to know that that's uh, the symbol for not found on the internet, but it's also uh, Atlanta, Georgia, I believe. I don't know how they got my number. I don't know what was going on, but I got a photo of, of all things, it was a rabbit with a flapjack on its head, which was just random enough that it completely appealed to me. If you look up flapjack bunny, there are dozens of examples on the internet. I, I'm sure there's some other cultural significance. I don't know what it is, but it's a thing. A lop-eared rabbit with a pancake balanced on its head. Immediately I was hooked, I was on board. So I texted something back. I like the random moments of the universe. You've got to appreciate them. A day later, I was in Scottsdale and I saw the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile and thought, this is the proper return. You know, I'm going to volley back with this. I don't know, I kind of like to be an interesting part of somebody's day and in a positive way. Uh, I think there ought to be more of that. We ought to be the person who walks by and says, hey, nice hat. Sort of silly, sometimes I've been walking through places and pointed at a spot on the floor and say, hey, they got the blood out, and just keep walking. That's an interesting moment in somebody's day. It gives them something to latch onto and have fun with. Or be terrified about. But it's, you know, something. It, it at least makes the world a more interesting place. I figured that whoever had sent me that had sent it by mistake. They were probably going to give up right then and there, especially when they got back a Wienermobile. I'm like, okay, whoever I sent this to is nuts. And that would be that. And didn't really think anything of it. I genuinely expected to never get a reply back or, or something like, who the heck is this? Did not expect a reply. I was very surprised when I got another photo back. Hmm. Oddly enough, I was at a fire department. A fire department in town used to have me come out and work on their systems once a week. While I was there, I got a text and it was a firecracker, which kind of creeped me out for just a moment because fire department, firecracker, what are the odds? It was just somebody holding a lit firecracker, which is a bad practice for one thing. You know, that's a good way to lose fingers. It didn't look like a professionally taken photo. Someone may have snapped it with their phone. I'm hoping they had thrown it away pretty quickly after that. Feminine fingers holding a lit firecracker. That really didn't tell me much more than okay, this person's on board with the random. Other than the slight creep factor of me being at a fire department and being a firecracker, which made me think, does this person know where I am? You know, is this, is this somebody I know punking me? Other than that, I thought, this person is really diving in to the random moments of the universe. And I, I was on board and wanted to encourage that. Especially if it was a friend punking me, then I was really on board. It was the idea of a stranger knowing where I was and what I was doing. That alarmed me a little bit. I didn't feel rushed to respond, uh, and I, I actually wanted to make sure it was something of a creative effort. 
I'm a bit of an amateur photographer, and I sent back a photo of someone who was uh, waving a sparkler. I'd taken a long exposure, so the person was somewhat fuzzy, but it had a nice, beautiful spiral of the sparkler. One of my favorite shots that I've ever taken. I thought it was just fun. Again, I was still a little concerned, <laughs> uh, but it was probably 5% concerned to 95%. This is cool. More photos were exchanged. It wasn't hurried either by me or by this person. Over a period of several months, we would exchange photos, never any words, and I'd try to somewhat respond to their photos. Like I say, there was the lit firecracker, so I responded with the long exposure image of the sparkler being waved around. At one point, they sent me a flower, and I sent a vase. I sent a bag of fruity dino bites, just an image of a bag of fruity dino bites, which is like fruity pebbles, but generic because uh, I'm cheap. They sent back a photo of a gallon of 2% milk. So it was kind of this weird exchange. There was a, a call and response aspect to it. It was something I was kind of keeping to myself. It was kind of my, my private entertainment. It was just a, a conversation of photos. I was into it. I, I was always kind of giddy when I would get one. Sometimes I'd have to stare at it for a bit to try to figure out, okay, what's the meaning behind this? Okay, there's a mint leaf in this photo among whatever else is on there. Do I riff off of that? Or, hey, this photo has an interesting use of negative space. Do I want to replicate that somehow in the positive space? And so it was definitely mentally engaging the fact that someone was undertaking this, presumably just for me, that was kind of cool. It was a rollicking good time. For a while. Until it wasn't. A harmless back and forth with a stranger. It was lighthearted, funny, and sometimes borderline flirtatious. But who exactly was he talking to? Up until that point, he hadn't really cared. He assumed they were both in the same boat, just two anonymous strangers texting who both didn't know a thing about each other. Or at least, that's what he thought. One day, their friendly conversation of pictures would take a jarring turn. And from that moment forward, their communication would never be the same. There was a day, probably five months in, when I got a photo that was of a now-leaving-Georgia sign, as if taken just off the side of the interstate. I'd never been really in a hurry to respond. I always wanted to respond somewhat in kind and somewhat creatively. So I was thinking of trying to actually head to the border, which is about uh, 150 miles away from my house, and get a now-leaving-Arizona sign as a response. But I got a note back, or I should say an image back from this person a lot more quickly that was uh, entering Alabama. Okay, person's on the road. Cool, taking a road trip. I respect that. Try to do that myself as often as I can. Because they had sent leaving Georgia and entering Alabama pretty quickly together, I thought this was probably not my brother. This is probably not someone I know, someone, not anyone local anyway. This is genuinely a stranger. And that, that changed the perspective just a little bit. But again, they're in Alabama at this point. 
still not a big deal. I got now leaving Alabama. That one was a little bit blurry as though they were actively driving. Now Mississippi, it was, it was hard to ignore the fact that they were heading my direction at that point. It seemed like this person could actually be sending me these images in real time as they're traveling. Louisiana was, was pretty quick after that. Then Texas. Texas takes a while to get through, and it seems like the photo took a long time between the now entering Texas and now leaving Texas. It made me nervous. It's the photos that were blurry, especially while traveling. I, I don't know, maybe, maybe I read it wrong, but I would think that if it was someone who was just trying to spook me that they would get clear images all the way. But it actually seemed like this was somebody traveling taking photos opportunistically as they could as they passed by these signs. New Mexico, the land of enchantment. That was the one that, I thought, man, they're, they're really heading this way. It really seemed like that they were on their way towards me at that point. That was distressing. New Mexico was my back door at that point. I don't know if you're familiar with the author Orson Scott Card. He wrote, among other things, Ender's Game. That's probably what he's most famous for. But he's actually written some short stories and novels that he puts under the genre of dread. He talks about how horror is actually a relief. When you get to the moment, when you get to the jump scare, when you get to that, then you know what's there. Then you know what's coming. It's done. But dread... Building dread is a much more powerful effect. And that was what was going through my brain. This is a slow, inexorable movement that I can't do anything about. Something is coming and I can't do anything about it. I just have no idea how to respond, what to do. It was so foreign that it was a profoundly distressing moment. It was that shift from sending photos back and forth once a week, once every few weeks. Like, it, there was no, never any urgency to it. And then it shifted to this person's actively traveling, they're actively heading my way. New Mexico. Then Arizona, my home state. And then I was really curious what was going to happen next. About seven, eight hours later, there was my city limit sign. They were... They were there, presumably in my neighborhood. It was the same sign. I didn't reply anymore. I was done, I was out. That journey across the states and then into my hometown with no words at all, that finally got me. I was cooked, I was done. Stick a fork in me. I did sort of put my wife on a little bit of alert to watch out for strangers. I don't think I actually ever told her what the reasoning was. And the person never, never sent another message, which I've counted as a blessing. Where they drew the line, I'm okay with that. If they'd taken a photo of my house and sent it to me, then I would have burnt the place down and moved to anywhere else. Or stayed in the ashes because they would never look for me there. Something like that. As for what it could have been, a lot of us have taken jokes too far. And that's probably what I want to believe. Someone made the trip. Either that or they went through a lot of effort to try and time out the photos well, 
find shots that looked like they were actually actively in motion. I think someone made the trip. I'm going to let it remain a mystery. Life moved on. No regrets. In the end, it's just a good story. Ooh, such an unsavory experience. Dear patron, have you ever had the feeling that someone was watching you? No? Huh. Well, you're lucky. My babysitter Marjorie used to watch me unceasingly, incessantly. I would be at the playground and she would be staring, staring daggers at me. And I would say, no, leave me alone. Let me play in peace. Horrible, horrible woman. Well, I've enjoyed your company today, and I relish the chance to share my stories, my collection of tapes, with open-minded viewers like you. I hope you found this stuff enlightening. It didn't shake you too much, did it? Good, good. Well, come back and see me again soon. We're just getting started. This has been Terry Carnation for Radio Rental. Radio Rental is created by Payne Lindsay and brought to you by Tenderfoot TV in Atlanta. Executive producers Payne Lindsay and Donald Albright. Hosted by Rain Wilson as his character, Terry Carnation. Produced by Payne Lindsay, Mike Rooney, and me, Meredith Stedman. Written by Meredith Stedman with additional writing by Mark Laughlin. Sound design by Cooper Skinner. Original score by Makeup and Vanity Set. Additional production by Christina Dana and Mason Lindsay. Cover art by Trevor Eiler and Rob Sheridan. Voice acting by Ryan Jones, Casey Willis, and the Tenderfoot TV team. Shout out to Tiny Doors ATL for the creation of our real-life miniature radio rental store. You can check that out and more on their Instagram at Tiny Doors ATL. Special thanks to Grace Royer and Oren Rosenbaum at UTA, as well as support from the Nord Group, Station 16, Beck Media and Marketing, and the team at Cadence 13. If you have a radio rental story that you'd like to share, please email us at yourscarystory at gmail.com or contact us via the form on our website, radiorentalusa.com. Follow us on Instagram at Radio Rental and on Twitter at Radio Rental USA. You can also follow the beloved Terry Carnation on social media. Just search at Terry Carnation. On behalf of the Radio Rental Store, we'd love it if you'd subscribe, rate, and review. And don't forget to share our show with a friend of the genre. Thanks for listening.